From the University of Alberta Alumni Association, it's What the Job. I'm Matt Ray. Just one thing led to another, and I was like, okay, this seems like a really fascinating career. And what appealed to me at the time was, was like, oh, great, I can serve the public sector institutions and clients that I'm really passionate about. But I can also do that in a way where I feel like from a career progression standpoint, it's real quick. On this episode of What the Job, we learn about the career path of consultant Petros Kusmu. Petros works for Deloitte, where he helps public sector organizations solve difficult problems. He also volunteers with Black Can, an organization which he co-founded that is dedicated to helping black Canadians get involved with politics. Petros and I talk about what it takes to be a good consultant, his passion for doing public good, and how his time with the U of A Students' Union has influenced his career. What the Job is made possible with the support of our affinity partner, TD Insurance. Did you know that through the TD Insurance Mellish Monarchs program, University of Alberta alumni are entitled to preferred rates on car, home, condo, and renter's insurance? Save even more by bundling your car and home insurance. To learn more about how you can save, please visit tdinsurance.com slash ualbertaalumni. So what's your name and what's your job? Yeah, my name is Petros Kuzmu, preferred pronouns he, him. I am uh, a management consultant. So uh, more specifically, I, I work at Deloitte um, and Deloitte Consulting uh, in our public sector transformation practice. And um, I'm a, one of the experienced managers here that helps drive a lot of our projects. And what kind of projects do you do as a consultant in this? What was it? Public sector transformation? Transformation. Yeah. Well, as it says, we, we tr help transform <laughs> public sector organizations. But uh, in terms of what is it that I do, um, you know, I think it's first important to start by understanding what is it, what is management consulting? And then from there, I can kind of tell you where I fit into the larger picture. Uh, management consultants are, um, are, are folks who are just professional business problem solvers for organizations. Typically, when it comes to help let's say managing big problems or big projects that they have. Um, so management consultants can get engaged by a company or an organization to, you know, to do things as, you know, all the way from helping their executive team develop like, uh, you know, a five, 10 year strategy for their division, which is going to help shape multi-million dollar investments for this um, organization and, and their customers and, and there are you know, thousands of employees to you know, helping maybe train employees on how to use newly um, installed IT systems or trying to increase the level of tech adoption to all the way to helping it actually implement and, uh, and improve technology at an organization. So that's kind of like the full spectrum of services that you can kind of expect to see from a management consultant. And frankly, what I do is a little bit of all of that. Um, so my background when I first started at Deloitte was corporate strategy. So working um, primarily in, in, the, in the energy and resources space and helping uh, C-suite executives think about ways to uh, make strategic trade-offs uh, such that they can realize their aspirations and, um, um, and you know, within a certain time frame and, and uh, an investment budget. 
but now I, you know, I, I find that a lot of what I do is, uh, is a little bit more of the, you know, a little bit of helping improve business processes within primarily public sector organizations. And, and what's neat is there's a social impact there, right? Because, you know, when you improve a business process, there's a certain element of you're improving the, the life of staff, but really you're trying to help uh, ultimately improve the experience for citizens. But the other element too is I, I'm, I'm helping manage some large transfer uh, tech transformations um, at this one organization. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit of what I do. And, and more specifically, you know, I'm, I'm managing teams and budgets to, to help realize the work. Um, I'm working directly with uh, pretty senior folks, so assistant deputy ministers, um, executive directors, deputy ministers, to understand their needs and helping translate that to the team and having them work with their staff um, to, to help realize a specific project um, that they have. So yeah, that, that's that's a lot of what I do. That's really interesting to me because um, a lot of jobs, they have a kind of repetitive challenge, the same sort of challenge over and over. That's the job and that's what you do it. For example, I don't know, I work in communications, so it's a lot of the same kind of projects over and over. For you, though, because you're in consulting, because you're working with different clients often, different public sector um, uh, institutes or whatever, as you said, um, is it a new challenge every time as you're doing something new with them? Or is it that you're always bringing the same skills no matter the challenge? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's always an element of you bringing the same set of transferable skills. Like the, the longer you're in the job, you know, the the more reusable, it, the easier it is to kind of get things done just because you have a certain skill set, which is great. Um, but that's part of the reason why I was A, attracted to consulting and B, have a hard time leaving. <laughs> it's because it's because it's a pretty dynamic workplace. Now, there are some people who kind of position themselves as the expert on a specific type of thing in a specific type of sector, and they might be serving the same client for a long time. But for most of us, you know, we're excited by the prospect of having a kind of a new project every every couple months. Um, and sometimes the project is a is a bit similar to what we had in the past, but a lot of the times it's not. It's you're learning about a completely new part of government. You're working with completely new teams, so you're having to like rekindle all those new connections, not only with the clients, right? I'm trying to figure out. And, and build new relationships with various executive directors and managers and clients, but also within your own team at Deloitte, you're often working with just like, just so many new people all the time. So there's a sense of dynamism that, that I find really thrilling and exciting. And as a result, you kind of get exposed to a lot of different facets about how organizations operate. And at least in my case, particularly how public sector organizations operate and, and how we can best and uh, serve citizens. Seems like, problem solving over and over new problems to solve coming up, which sounds kind of exciting actually. Yeah, it is. It is. And, but the challenge is, uh, it can also be, <laughs> it can be a bit tiring <laughs> because often when an organization has decided to hire a consultant to solve a problem, they're usually giving us the hardest challenges to solve <laughs> because they're saying like, look, if we're going to pay somebody, uh, to figure this out, let's give them the most complex work. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, so I mean, that's, it's a double-sided coin, right? Because on one side, it's great. It's, it really pushes you and stretches you and, and, um, and, and, and you, and you're finding you're learning a lot in a short amount of time. But the other part of it is, you know, there is an inter there is a, a general stereotype of an, an intense work-life balance for a reason. And it's because we are usually given not only the gnarliest challenges to solve, but 
usually within a tight budget and a tight timeline. <laughs> and and when when and the thing is, we generally hire, uh, you know, folks who are keeners and and who want to do a good job. And especially when you're serving public sector clients, there's a social impact element here. So so you're really wanting to deliver um, because you you understand the end impact. So yeah, that that that's the flip side of it. There's there's a certain kind of intensity that comes with the role itself. This is, I think, the second time you've mentioned social impact. So I'm curious, like, why is that something that matters so much to you? Yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, <clears throat> it, it's social impact has been, just broadly speaking, what generally drives me. And when, when I think about what gives me a lot of fuel when I wake up in the morning and go to work, or the kind of work that I do after work, <laughs> I find I usually have two shifts. There's kind of, you know, one that uh, one that ends at sometimes seven seven thirty p.m. and then the other one that kind of picks up there with other volunteer and board work that I do. Uh, but all of that usually has a similar focus, which is trying to improve the lives of other folks, other citizens, and from a public so- social standpoint. And um, you know, it's a reason that I chose to study political science and economics at the U of A. And I, it's funny, I remember at one point I got accepted to the uh, business uh, faculty and I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a business kid. And then I kind of had this epiphany of sorts that, no, I, 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 I find, you know, these, these are the topics that excites me and this is what I want to really do. And funny enough, I ended up in consulting, which is where a lot of the B kids go to. <laughs> so, but, but it was, it, it was, I, you know, it was kind of neat to realize all these years later that I was still able to kind of make my degree work for me and that the interests and passions that I had are, are still, um, still exist and I'm still able to serve them, uh, in my day-to-day work. Uh, so yeah, social impact is, is something that, you know, really drives a lot of what I choose to do at Deloitte and um, a lot of the volunteer work that I do outside of work. It's interesting too, because you get to bring that sort of new perspective from, you know, your poli-sci background, your arts background into a field where there's like a, mostly a business perspective or other, other sides as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I find that our clients and like, yeah, it's not, like we we bring a greater sense of appreciation, I find, um, to the various topics that that we're dealing with, and uh, and also even skill sets. Like I had this um, one client where uh, they wanted to help us. It was a part of government. They wanted to help uh, their division responsible for income assistance help them uh, reimagine kind of what their division could look like five to ten years from now. So like you know, working with really senior executives helping them develop this pretty high level strategy. And as part of that, they had asked us to, to do a bit of a jurisdictional scan. Um, so, you know, so do some interesting research about uh, some of the most fascinating leading income assistance and social care practices from around the world and, and use that research to inspire our team to kind of think a bit and dream a little bit bigger about what we can do. And, and when I think about the, the kind of skill sets I picked up in my arts degree, of just the, the more basic stuff of research or writing of, of all that, but also having a nuanced understanding of just, I mean, even things of like which geographies I should be looking at, keeping in mind of like, okay, you know, here are some interesting geographies and their federal system very similar to Canada. Like some of that stuff was really useful for me that I was able to actually employ um, in my day-to-day work. And, and we ended up producing some really fascinating research for our client, but also some research that's now being published by the firm globally. So yeah, it's um, 
you know, super transferable skills as an arts kid. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious about the kind of skills you need for your work, because it does seem pretty diverse and, you know, from research to strategizing to, I assume, client management and those kinds of people skills. Yeah. What, what kind of skills stand out for you when you do your job? Yeah, I'd, I'd say three things come to mind. Uh, first and foremost is communication skills. And um, I, I, I'm always have been a, the, a strong believer that arts folks would make some of the best consultants just because we need people who are strong communicators and especially so much of our work is focused on digital elements of organizations like trying to help organizations become more digitally fluent or digitally enabled or support a broad digital transformation so much of what senior executives often need are translators people who can kind of decipher the con who, who can understand the complexities of of tech enough or whatever other part of their business enough such that they can distill it in a simple and easy enough way for an executive to make a real quick decision about a certain option. And, and, and to do that, you need to be a really strong writer. Um, you need to be a strong communicator and in, in, in talking to the people who actually really know this stuff, but who can't synthesize it in a two to three sentences, right? Um, and, and so there's not only that writing piece, but there's also presentation skills. As you move up within the firm, you're often on the hook for presenting to senior clients, walking through, facilitating workshops with people who are, at least in my case, often double my age. And, uh, but, but in, in light of that kind of age difference, you're, you're also trying to have a commanding presence such that you're seen as, as a peer, as an equal of sorts, right? So, uh, so strong communication skills, first and foremost, is, is kind of what's needed for the role. Um, second, we would kind of call analysis. It's very broad. So what does that really mean? Um, you know, frankly, what we're looking for is people who aren't afraid to get their hands dirty or deep into the weeds, uh, whether it's, you know, pulling up an Excel model and doing some modeling work or, you know, doing lots of, you know, maybe dozens, like two dozen interviews and trying to synthesize themes across all of the interviews that you've heard from experts about topics, at least in my case, on income assistance, right? There's there's a lot of analysis required in, in the work and that analysis needing to be produced in a really short amount of time, right? You know, there's a there's a, a rule of, you know, 80-20 uh, in consulting of just like, you know, just, just, just you wanna get it, the, the work to be good enough. And, and the third piece here is just really strong time management organizational skills. Um, the, the, the work is demanding and it's really intense, uh, but you know, to kind of survive and stick at it for a while, you need to just be someone who's really good at organizing themselves and, and whatnot. So I'd say those are kind of the three core, you know, core consulting toolkit skills as we call it. And as you move up, leadership becomes an incredibly important factor as well, being able to lead teams and motivate them um, the, that, that as well. It must be a bit of a challenge. You brought it up to talk to leaders of, uh, you know, these different uh, institutions or whatever, and trying to tell them how to fix these problems that they presented you with. Right. Like I can't imagine the yeah, talking to an executive and saying, Oh, well, this is how you should do things as a consultant. Right. Like, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, it, it's a, it's a good question. And, um, and, and one that I picked up from my days at the Students' Union <laughs> at the UV when I was in that position of one of our Students' Union execs and it's sitting at the Board of Governors 
um, or and other just tables where it's it's the same deal again. You're you're kind of often coming at a place where you don't feel particularly confident in the position, or um, you know you're not sure if you're being seen as a peer and equal. But you know I think first and foremost, it's uh, what helps is if you can demonstrate and signal to the folks that you're presenting to that you actually have a strong depth and understanding of the subject matter expertise that you're consulting them on. And what's tough is often, you know, we're throwing consultants into a project who don't have any prior experience in an industry. So, so how do they, um, how do they demonstrate that confidence to executives such that executives are listening to them and not questioning, why am I listening to this guy who doesn't know what they're talking about? Um, I'd say first is, again, do your homework, having a really strong uh, understanding, but there's also shortcuts as well, right? Like understanding and, and employing lingo used in the industry. Like you, there's, there's a really fascinating uh, Harvard Business Review article about consultants and, and how they're able to kind of be in these positions of various industries and, 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 and leaders and uh, without much knowledge. And, and you're, you're trying to uh, learn as much as you can, but also use the right kind of shortcuts and signals and, and acronyms, for instance, to kind of say like, hey, I, I understand my, 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 my stuff and you don't have to worry about me. Um, and, and, then, and there's also just an element of building trust over time. Uh, I think as is the case with most of my projects, there's always kind of an initial skepticism that, that I feel like clients have. And over time, uh, after putting in a lot of work upfront investment, uh, you know, showing that you have a strong fact base to support your arguments, that's when you can really convince them, hey, um, you know, this, this, this person really knows her stuff. So. Yeah. I mean, I just think it must be quite a challenge to try to, to do all that, but it also must be quite satisfying in the end to see solutions to these really difficult problems and challenges that uh, different institutes has. And, you know, you talked about learning acronyms because I work in post-secondary. There are just so many. I don't know. I, that's the thing I'm most impressed by so far is that you would bother to learn these acronyms. Yeah. Yeah. Learning acronyms. And, you know, I've, I remember even there's like a couple of these projects where I'm like, great, I need, I need to learn the, what was it like the downstream refinery process for an oil and gas, um, uh, refinery. And I need to understand the various kind of metrics that senior execs would look at from an HSE or a health safety and environment standpoint, or from a barrel throughput standpoint, like just trying to pick up enough of this language so you can understand what they're saying, but also showcase that you, that you get it. But it is really satisfying. Um, you know, I find, you know, it's satisfying in two ways. I'd say three ways, you know, the work is satisfying, like, especially with me from a public sector standpoint, the first reason it's satisfying is that um, I, I just know that for some of the work that I'm doing is remarkably impactful. Um, you know, developing a strategy that impacts nearly 370,000 citizens who rely on income assistance feels great. <laughs> and it's something that most folks don't kind of have the opportunity or privilege to do. Um, you know, helping improve processes such that for folks who apply for emergency income assistance, they can get their funding the same day in case they, um, you know, from an e-transfer uh, rather than having to wait the next day when, when, they, when it's maybe too late for them to get that money. So it, it's really interesting to work on these problems where you know that there's an immediate impact. Uh, the, the second reason it feels so great is sometimes um, just to kind of win over skeptics from the client side. Like you said, you know, a lot of the times 
these these folks they'll kind of know like okay you really don't know much about our business but over time they can see you put in a lot of work you really understand our business and you also help solve the biggest challenges that we were facing with like there, there's a certain kind of um a strong amount of respect that you often get from your clients and that with winning folks over particularly the skeptical ones it just feels great it feels like a great challenge and then the third reason it feels great is just you're you're constantly at least for me, I'm constantly looking back and giving myself a pat on the back because at the start of every single project, even now, even after I've been in consulting, uh, you know, for instance, at Deloitte now for over six years, I'm like, I'm still terrified every single time <laughs> I start a new project, you know, because I have to figure out what is the approach we're going to take, what's the timeline, what's the team, what's the budget. Um, and, you know, oftentimes I do not know where to start, but there's a certain level of accomplishment of like, hey, I, I figured it out and it's okay. And that instills in me a greater sense of self-confidence of, yeah, you know, most things I can kind of, I, I feel equipped to figure it out. And I have, you know, data points to kind of prove that that is the case. So yeah, it's, it's, I, I've, I've always found the work pretty fulfilling. Um, and, and that kind of explains why I'm still in it. It almost sounds like to me, like you need this, uh, like a degree of empathy for the client, right? Like to try to really yeah. understand things from their position to really connect. Because I think, you know, as someone who has worked for companies that have had consultants come in, I have been on that defensive side of being <laughs> like, these guys don't know what they're doing. They're just yeah. here to fire people. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I imagine like winning people over sounds like such an important thing and uh, trying to understand where they're coming from. As you said, like learning their language and things like that. That seems crucial. It, it is. And, and it's honestly like this, this empathy factor and also just personability factor is one of the key things that most consulting firms hire for, you know? So there's a certain level of like, do you check off all of the boxes of like a strong communicator? Do you have strong analysis? Do you have a, are, are you are really organized and, and logical? But, the, but, the, but at the end of the day, you could have all of those things, but if you're not easy to get along with, if you don't demonstrate empathy, if you're not personable, you're often not getting hired because you're a risk. <laughs> like, like you are a risk if you uh, show up to a, 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 you know, a meeting and, and you make tone deaf remarks, right, about uh, specific topics. If you're not, and, and you're not uh, reading the room, or at least in my case, reading the virtual room, in, in which case it's often... I'm, I'm presenting, but I'm also trying to see, is someone going off mute? Are they, do they have a pensive look on their face? Do they unmute themselves? Like, and then calling them out, making space. Um, you know, so those are some of the things I do from a facilitation standpoint, but yeah, it, it, the job requires a remarkable amount of empathy in light of the kind of general stereotype folks have about consultants, which is like the completely unempathetic folks who are there to uh, do downsizing, which I fortunately have never had the, the, the chance to do and I'm not really ever interested in that but yeah I'm learning so much about consulting this is very exciting because uh, I definitely have only seen it from the one side and I really had no idea that um, I guess the breadth but it makes so much sense I'm curious how you got into this Did, was it something that you knew about and wanted to do like as early as your U of A days or is it something that you fell into yeah it's a great question absolutely no idea about consulting until the very last bits of my time at the UVA. So, you know, I, I, I spent four years getting my poli-sci economics degree. I always kind of thought I would work in the public service, right? Again, social impact really important. I figured work in the public service would be great. And then I spent two years in, as an, in an elected position um, at the Students' Union. And it was during my 
last year, I'd say the last half of my year where I was only trying to, I was only trying to figure out what to do next. And one of the other executives who I had the huge amount of admiration for um, was saying, Hey, I'm, I'm looking into consulting and I've been prepping, you know, he, he finished his term six months earlier th than I did. So he was prepping for the interviews and it was only through that just kind of random conversation we had about him prepping for these interviews that, that I really understood what this meant as a career. There was a student club uh, on campus uh, where they were trying to connect students interested in consulting and we'd visit consulting offices and then just one thing led to another and I was like, okay, this seems like a really fascinating career. And what appealed to me at the time was, was like, oh great, I can serve the public sector institutions and clients that I'm really passionate about. But I can also do that in a way where I feel like from a career progression standpoint, it's real quick because in consulting, there's a very straightforward linear career progression. It's every two to three, maybe four years, you're constantly getting promoted. And there's an expectation that you're, you're progressing your leadership skills. And there's a sense of you're constantly moving. And, uh, and I also really like the idea of just having a variety of projects. You know, I, I didn't know which part of government I wanted to work for. I, you know, I thought foreign affairs was interesting, but I also thought innovation. And I was like, this is this could be a good way of me having a little buffet sample of just everything. Um, so that, that's what really attracted me. It was just um, me learning about it by chance from someone I admired who I thought was really logical. And I said, maybe if I go into consulting, I'll be a bit more like them. But also at the same time, me realizing I can scratch my itch for social impact through consulting and then and then uh, third, it was just the excitement of having dynamism because I was I was always kind of terrified about um, being a little bit uh, too bored at work. And, and I just really liked I, I work pretty I, I enjoy work. <laughs> um, so so I, I was pretty excited at the prospect of working hard for something that I thought was really interesting. You do love work because you talked about how you work and then you work again uh, at night. So uh, I'm interested in, we always talk to people about volunteering and about the different side projects and how that connects to their to their work or at least to their career building or perhaps their perspective. So perhaps you could talk a bit about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it, it, as it relates to like the work that I do outside of work, as much as I've enjoyed consulting, there's still an itch that I have uh, that, that can't quite be completely scratched by it. And um, a lot of the work that we're doing is again, working with folks at a really senior level who are trying to solve or, or serve certain parts of the population at a bit of a distance, right? To run income assistance for province, for instance, requires a significant amount of distance between the leadership and the end, and the end user. So I, I was always keen to get involved um, outside of work, just to kind of get closer to folks who are closer to their challenges and problems themselves. And to also just further broaden my horizon and bubble, because I think one thing you realize when you leave university is that that kind of dynamic university environment you have of just constantly running into people from totally different backgrounds kind of starts to stop <laughs> when you graduate, because then at work, your, your community becomes your work and everyone's kind of similar. Um, so I, I was always keen to have a bit more of a like really dynamic community and network while also just trying to serve um, folks who were close to the challenges that I was that I cared about. So, um, you know, I've just been involved in a number of initiatives. Uh, I, I think first and foremost, there's at least when I moved to Vancouver 
three years ago, I got involved with this one organization called the Hogan's Alley Society, which is providing affordable housing and cultural spaces for, for Black folks here in Metro Vancouver. It's honoring the legacy of a historical Black neighborhood in downtown Vancouver that got demolished by the city in the, in the 60s and 70s. And they're doing really fascinating work, working in the downtown east side, um, for instance, with housing insecure Black and Indigenous folks who are we're often, uh, you know, uh, have challenges with substance abuse and what have you. So that was a really fascinating challenge for me to get involved with. And now I'm one of the board directors. And one of the other ones that's been particularly fulfilling was uh, Black Camp, um, an organization formerly known as Black Voters Matter Canada, where, you know, I, I worked with other activists here based in Western and Northern Canada to, to co-found this organization that would engage and encourage and empower Black Canadians to vote and to run for office. And, you know, I, despite all of this, work that I'm doing from a social impact side of things, I'm really interested in political organizing and, and politics. So that, that has been a really fun way to kind of help encourage more of my friends and people who I think would be amazing candidates, for instance, to run for office. Um, so yeah, that, that's been some of the, the work outside of work that, that I'm engaged with. Do you ever take a break? Do you ever, do you ever take vacation? Well, yeah, yeah. So something that uh, I need to work on, frankly, and, 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 and it's actually really important because I find uh, it's not sustainable. It's not totally healthy. And but what I'm what I'm trying to do more of is just position uh, other people into uh, like like bringing up other people into the ladder to have them position be positioned to play leadership roles. So that that reduces the need for me to constantly be hands on all the time. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get better. And I live in Vancouver. I pay premium for it. So I, I I need to I need to find a way to get out to the mountains more often. Yeah. I always wonder about people who work or volunteer in social impact careers or volunteer positions or anything where they're having making a difference on people or uh, you know doing social good. I always wonder if taking a break is more difficult because you feel like there are like uh, people who depend on what you do or the, the impact is there. Um, or is it just a matter of like you know someone else can step in? I mean, it seems like you're doing a thing that you're passionate about twice. You, you know, you do it in your yeah. job and then you do it, you do it in your volunteer. Um, do you ever feel like, you know, that you're pulled to it because of the impact that it has? And that's, that's why it's difficult to step back or is it just your personality? Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. This is now becoming a therapy session. Like it's a good question. They um, always do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think it, a bit of it is my own personality. I think a bit of it is, I sometimes have a hard time seeing, like, I'm trying to get, I'm, I find I'm getting better at like delegating work when I can, but especially with like organizing in the community or in volunteering in the community, bandwidth is strapped as it is, right? So it's not, there's, there's not too many folks you can, you can try to delegate work to. And, um, and yeah, I, I don't know, it's tough, but I think what also happens too is through, you know, the, the, you know, for instance, with Black Hand, we, we have um, like monthly team meetings or whatnot. Like that's just, honestly, those meetings are just my way of socializing with, with friends that I really like. And, and, uh, and it's honestly what, what it ends up happening is it's, it's an excuse for me to organize and work with other people I really enjoy and, and admire, frankly. And, and that in itself is a form of socialization because most of these folks, uh, I mean, yeah, we could go for coffee but typically, like, like I find it building things together is usually just the way that I establish 
or that my relationships with some folks grow and it's, it's a form of socializing. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I need to reflect on that more. Yeah. Good question. Good question. <laughs> I'm also interested in your student union days and how that's because you've talked about it a couple of times already, but I'm curious why you got involved, but also just how it's helped you. Yeah. I mean, I, I got involved through accident when it comes to the students union. Um, I, it was my first, you know, here on campus. I, my, I was talking to my dad on the phone and he had mentioned, oh, is there a student's council at the UVA? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he's like, are you going to run for something? And you know, well, I wasn't really planning. He's like, oh, I thought you were kind of active, you know, back when you're in junior high. Like, I don't know, maybe you should consider it. And I was like, yeah, sure. I, I ran. I lost. <laughs> I think there was like six counselor spots for art students. And I, I was in seventh place. But lo and behold, one of them got into business. Full circle, <laughs> full circle, right? So one one of these arts kids, and actually who ends up becoming a, a friend of mine, I think. Yeah, now that I remember it. But one of the arts kids ends up going to business that frees up uh, a spot uh, on council, and I I got selected. And then just year over year, I just continue to remain involved throughout my entire undergraduate degree, and ended up running for office. Um, and that was that was a one of the just best times of my life. It was, it was just such a fun, um, challenging and, and also fulfilling role that really helped shape a lot of what I, th I think a lot of the skills that I bring to the table now, um, skills that didn't feel hyper applicable when I first started my career, because the kind of skills I was really building now was like strong leadership skills. And when you, when you, when you start in consulting or at a, at a general company, you're not being, you're not a leader and, or right away. I mean, you're leading yourself and maybe a small, you know, one or two other people, but, um, you know, so, so those skills I'm, I find I'm only really now over the past couple of years being able to leverage that. And it's showing, I find, I find that folks can kind of take note and, and I can really draw back some of the skills that I have and, tra and good traits back to that time when I was in office where I needed to manage you know, an executive team and, and a general manager and staff of, and volunteers of 300 people and, and be at the board of governors table pleading, pleading to, to, to governors to not increase tuition and trying to campaign and advocating and lobbying to ministers of justice to amend elections, legis uh, you know, voter legislation to make it easier for students to vote, like all of that stuff, um, you know, while I'm not doing a lot of that advocacy work now um, at, during my day job, are all super transferable skills now. And, um, and it's really shaped, I think, a lot of my own future career inspirations as well. I wonder what is next for you, because you talk about how um, your current job offers you that, that buffet of options, lots of different things, the dynamism that you refer to. Do you think um, consulting is a place you want to stay? Or do you think, you know, the future is wide open? Yeah, good question. I think it's, it's you know, it's, it's a tough question, I, particularly with consulting. If, if you do good work and you have good networks, it can always just be a home, right? It can always be a place where, and plenty of folks have boomeranged as we call it, where they'll, they'll leave, they'll work in industry, they'll try other things out, decide it's maybe not for them or they miss consulting, so they'll come back, right? So it's always kind of a, kind of a permanent home, if you will, if, if you do a good work and if you have a good network. So um, you know, I, I think for me, I would be interested in 
just being in the other shoes, talking about empathy as we were, like it, it's one thing to serve, you know, public sector clients. It would be another thing to actually work within public sector institutions. So I think that's an area of mine that's always has been of, of a bit of interest to kind of get that firsthand experience. Um, because sometimes, you know, th there's a lot of work that I'm doing now where we're actually helping implement some of the strategies that we recommend, but sometimes we're not really responsible for that. We'll devise a strategy. We'll come up with a plan and say, see you later, like best of luck <laughs> implementing this five-year strategy. So I, I think I'd be interested in getting a little bit of that experience uh, of being really responsible and owning something. And that's why a lot of people end up leaving consulting. Frankly, there's a sense they have of, man, I just, I want to get my hands, you know, roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty to really not just strategize about something, but I, I want to really do something. And um, yeah, I, th I think I'd, I'd probably want to do the same before potentially returning to consulting. Who knows? I want to go back uh, for a second. Did you ever go and talk to that person from the students' union, the person who sort of started you out on that consultant path, and tell them how it's gone? Yeah, it's a good question, and now you're making me think that I should text him <laughs> right now and thank him. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still in touch with him. He's he's been a good friend of mine, and you know we're we're of the same age. But his he was always kind of a, a year ahead of me because just in terms of when our terms at the SU ended. But um, yeah, like his his mentorship and even there's other older U of A alum who provided a lot of mentorship early on when I even started in my, my career at, at the firm um, who, who made a big impact. So yeah, they um, I am still in touch with them and I think I need to do a better job of, of extending grace and thanks. Um, you know, one of them might actually even just actually apologize for getting me into consulting just because sometimes, um, you know, some folks don't always like it, but I, I actually really loved it. So yeah, I think, I think I'll shoot him a note. You know, you, you talked a lot about your volunteer work, encouraging black Canadians to get into politics. Is that something you've considered? Yeah. They, maybe one day, I, I think, frankly, I'm just focused on trying to save up enough money to buy some real estate here in Vancouver. <laughs> it's, the most absurdly expensive city uh, to live in. Um, so yeah, my, not my immediate focus, but you know, one day maybe, um, maybe. Uh, our producer Jen did a deep dive into Google and discovered that you've been on a game show with the CBC. Do you want to talk about that? You know, at the U of A, I was part of a, a fraternity, um, and then someone told me, "Oh, there's this like honors fraternity fraternity thing." And I applied and I got it. It's called the Order of Omega. And that, that was pretty much it. And then when I'm at in grad school in, in the UK, I get a random LinkedIn message from somebody at the CBC saying, hey, I noticed you're part of this like honors, this like fraternity honor society. I really think you should you would be great for this game show. I was in the middle of writing my thesis. It's the last thing I'm thinking about. I'm just trying to finish my my dissertation and, and move on and find a job. Um, but they kind of kept insisting. They said, just do a quick interview, like, like see how it goes. And I do an interview, and part of the interview is I have to, like, dance while, like, Skyping somebody in my, like, tiny flat in London. And uh, and they say, well, we, you know, we got this game show where it tests your intelligence in numerous ways. And I was apprehensive. And they said, free trip to Toronto, and we'll pay you a couple hundred bucks. And I was really broke then. So I said, you know what? <laughs> Why not? And and I took up the, the opportunity. And, yeah, it was fun. It was this game show called Canada's Smartest Person and met a lot of cool folks there. The whole premise is trying to say that 
you know, there's multiple different types of intelligences as it relates to, you know, creativity, as it relates to uh, math, uh, linguistics, et cetera, uh, emotional uh, intelligence as well. And the game show is just trying to test contest, um, contestants on these various intelligences. And, and I'm proud to say that I lost to the person who ended up winning. So I feel pretty, <laughs> it sucked losing, but it, it felt great losing. Canada's second kid. smartest person. Then. Well, not as close. I didn't end up making it to the finals because she, you know, she she went obviously because she beat me, but close enough. Yeah, I will, I will, I will claim that. Yeah. Now it's time for the lightning round, which is brought to you by our affinity partner, TD Insurance. These are all just questions we ask all the guests. Um, first one is: Have you ever been fired? Oh, uh, no, I have not actually. No, no. No, I haven't. We found not many people have been fired, though. Some people have been like, I didn't get my contract extended or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a really interesting question. Yeah. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I wanted to be an architect. And then I wanted to be an interior designer. And then I wanted to be a still life artist. Like, I had, I was really creative and, and I was a great artist with my hands. And then one day I decided to just play music. So I wanted to buy a drum kit. I couldn't afford one because I was living in Northeast Africa at the time. And then I just got a guitar, learned how to play the White Stripes Seven Nation Army on the guitar, and that was it. I like somehow lost all of my artistic abilities in terms of drawing and architecture and, and whatnot. And that, that kind of went out of the window. So yeah, I originally wanted to become an architect and an interior designer. It's kind of a, a, a Russian doll of careers from the person who designs the building to the person who designs the way the building looks inside yeah. to the person who designs one thing they hang in the wall to make <laughs> the building look. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is something that you wish people understood about your job? Something maybe that people misunderstand? Oh. Oh. Well, I, I, I think that, um, I think that, again, the general negative stereotype that folks have about consultants is that they are A, cold-hearted, B, typically doing some kind of like um, sinister downsizing exercise, and, and C, just trying to really milk folks in organizations for their money, which is, in my firsthand experience, and of course I'm biased, I, I have not seen any of that, right? I, a lot of my work has been folks, you know, working with folks who are remarkably empathetic, um, you know, second, just working on it and really helping organizations tackle their challenges, uh, you know, and like I've, I've been at their firm for a while, I rarely ever see any sort of downsizing projects, uh, but we do so much fascinating projects. And, and the third is, um, again, we, we only get hired because we're, we're, we're given the toughest, the, the most challenging, the most complex uh things to solve. And, um, and, and frankly, uh, we're, we're, we're working our tails off to kind of just make folks and, and clients happy at the, at the end of the day. So I, you know, I, I just, I, I, I guess I'm fearful that sometimes folks see consulting as a bit of a sinister career, not quite sure what it is, but there's actually a lot of rich, interesting work that we're doing, um, whether it's creating human centered design, uh, uh, processes such that folks who, have a lot of trauma from the child welfare system can better access their documents to, uh, you know, help and design training programs for staff to better, you know, who are a bit older and who aren't maybe as technologically capable. Like a lot of the work that we're doing is really 
socially impactful, I find. What advice would you have for someone who feels like they are in a career rut, like they're stuck? Mm. Ah, There's a problem. You get to, this is like free consulting right now. For yeah. <laughs> Create a framework. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, I think for folks who who feel stuck, you know, I, I, I try to diagnose what exactly, where exactly, and how exactly do they feel stuck. You know, so the, is it is it from a financial perspective? Is it just a matter of, you know, making a, a move to a competitor? Is it a matter of the kind of work you're doing? You don't find it particularly fulfilling? Um, is it that you just don't want to be in your hometown anymore? Like, what is the thing that makes you feel stuck? And then from there, you can kind of devise, okay, once you diagnose what the problem is, what would be enough to make you happy? You know, if it's from a financial standpoint, is it simply a matter of making an extra 20% on an annual basis? If it's a geography standpoint, is living in North America fine, as long, or maybe just a different part of the province? And then from there, I'd, I'd find and figuring out the different ways to kind of tackle it. You know, for, for some career, for instance, maybe they just want to completely switch careers. In some instances, an MBA is kind of the easiest way to do it, um, or maybe it's simply just networking your way to the right uh, career path. So I, I, I just... I, I joked about coming up with a framework, but I kind of just came up with one of like, those are the kind of steps that I, that I would probably take if, 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 you know, a friend went up to me and said, Hey, I feel like I'm in a bit of a career rut. And you know, those are the kind of questions I'd ask. What is your favorite thing about your job? Ah, uh, um, you know what? I, I'd say I'm, I'm going to cheat. I want to say two things. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to say first, I, I really love the social impact element here uh, of the work that we're doing. Um, but the the thing that really stands out to me and that I'm constantly reminded about our work is I've been pretty fortunate enough where um, the people that I'm working with are generally ass kickers. They work really hard. They're whip smart, but they're super easy to get along with. And they're just nice people and they're just fun. And um, and and we can just kind of have a laugh and, and have a good time. I don't like it when folks take themselves too seriously and, and you can't quite engage with them. And look, don't get me wrong. There are some, you know, you know, offices or teams in the firm who have a bit of a, a culture like that, but at least I find in, in my little pocket and in, in, uh, place in the firm, it's just folks who are really great to work with. And, and that's kind of what really keeps me around because you know, I'll do lots of work outside of the firm and I'm constantly reminded how amazing the, the people I work with at, at work are. What do you think you'd be doing if you weren't in this job? Uh, uh, good question. If I weren't, if I weren't in this job, I'd probably be doing like public policy research or um, like working at a public policy level, advising some kind of MP or an MLA or something. Like I, I think I would still have a bit of that social impact element. I probably would have just shortcutted serving like um public sector civil servants to serving politically elected um officers and it, just advising a public policy or helping out with campaigns it's it's work i kind of just do on the side anyways that i that i could see myself getting into had i not been in consulting i really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us i've learned so much about consulting that's Good. amazing thank you so much yeah thank you appreciate it 
Thanks for listening to this episode of What the Job, and a special thanks to our guest, Petros Kusmu, for taking time to talk to us about his career. And as always, a reminder that the best place for alumni to connect with other alumni about jobs, mentorships, or volunteer opportunities is the online platform Switchboard. It's free, and you could try it out today at uab.ca slash sboard. It's a great tool no matter where you are in your career journey. That's it for this episode. For What the Job, I'm Matt Ray. See you next time.